Hello, I'm Fenya. I'm Susanna. And I'm Nick, and we probably shouldn't be friends. That's because we're from different places and we come at issues from different angles. Me, I'm a gay, mixed-race, working-class bloke. Boxes ticked. And I'm a traditional Catholic woman living as an immigrant in a very liberal country. And I'm a climate protester turned riot police. But what we all have in common is we're looking to figure out what the hell is going on in the world and how we navigate it. And we'll talk about everything from politics to dating, from mental health to nutrition. We'll look at history and current affairs for inspiration and we'll share stories from our own lives. All topics and viewpoints will be welcome, so if you're easily offended, switch off now. Welcome back to another episode of Shouldn't Be Friends. And lately, the UK has been beset by different protests and activist movements from the Black Lives Matter activists, the anti-lockdown movement, uh, to even civil servants, teachers and train drivers on strike. And what have we seen everywhere? The ubiquitous logo of the socialist Socialist worker worker on every placard. And so that left us wondering, obviously, the last year when we've been out covering these protests, who the hell are they? Who is socialist worker? Where do they come from? What do they want? What's their, what's their kind of goal? And how do they have, have such a hold over the agitating public? And where do they get their money? These are some of the questions that we've been trying to find answers to. Some of them are easier to find answers to than others, especially the financial side is quite difficult to find. Mm. Because um, the Socialist Worker Party isn't actually a party, which means they don't have to declare uh, from finances. whom and where they get their money and also they have a lot of sub organizations daughter organizations yeah. and different organizations that are linked in with them that mm. people are involved in the same you know in socialist worker and other organizations that is basically the same people so it's quite hard to find the border of where one mm. starts and where the other one finishes but, but what we have been able to ascertain is some key figures that are involved in the movement all of the different, or many of the different organisations involved with the movement and sometimes how they project their power um, in the public sphere. And so I suppose the first question is, you know, why is it that uh, protest movements are so open to um, this kind of movement as a socialist worker? And I suppose a good argument for it is that people who are out protesting are protesting the system and the socialist worker is something that argues for revolution to create a new system. What kind of system is that? When I was doing my research for this episode, I just thought, let me go onto the website and we'll get into this later, but the first thing that pops up in the ideas and um, ideas and theories section is a lovely quote from Lenin, who was, well, worse than Hitler in some ways. Um, so that's something that they're proud of. They pop that up right at the top with a photo of him um, and a lovely quote. And then when I when I looked onto okay let me actually that's that's the history and the thought behind it where they've come from but what do they actually want right now a lot of the ideas that I found that they want they want to completely destroy the current systems they want to completely dismantle the government they want to subvert the power dynamics in society mm-hmm. they want to yeah so these are some of their kind of things that they're not not quiet about they don't hide them if you go into their youtube well, at channel their, at their basic level they see the world as a zero-sum power game between different classes they see the world in the lens of class warfare so the, yeah. there, there is the capitalist class who um, on their website today um, they call vultures and then there is the working oppressed class and that these two are always 
in opposition and that the working class must purge the capitalist class in order to then dominate the society for the worker, for and by the worker. Which um, comes directly from the thoughts of Marxism. I mean, that's exactly yeah. what Marx advocated for. So. And and you as a uh, fee-paying working union member are funding people that believe in these ideas. Unionists are Trotskyists and they believe in fermenting a revolution in order to become a socialist utopia and that would mean getting rid of all private property that would mean getting rid of democracy that would mean getting rid of um, freedoms to to speak uh, and to assemble and I, I mean Susanna you you grew up in a former communist country I mean I can imagine that the history that your family lived under is very different to what Slovakia is now as a capitalist country, which shows that, you know, it really uproots everything from top to bottom, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, even if you look at the issue of of freedom of speech, for example, freedom of the press, if that relates to us quite a lot because we like talking a lot and yeah. we also <laughs> are kind of the press. So even if you look at that, there's still some resemblances of of socialism communism there now where you can you will you can get killed for speaking up against corruption you can lose your life you can lose your family that happened a couple of years ago that a guy got shot because he was talking against the guy in power at the time but if you look at a bit further uh, behind i did a report on this you couldn't be a journalist unless you were in the union and you couldn't be in the union unless you professed the socialist uh, manifesto so the only people that had the power to speak were the people who were propagating the messages there was no such thing as diversity mm. of opinions diversity of different you know thoughts so and that that seems to be very much something that i mean obviously i'm not saying that socialist worker has <laughs> has been out to kill people or anything like that but it seems like they're very much militant about their message and about what should be allowed to be said in society and what shouldn't they're very clear about that on their websites on their channels that there is a particular way that everybody should behave and if you fall outside the box you are the enemy yeah and what's interesting is is that they do like to kind of brand protest movements with their own logo and I've seen a lot of there was a lot of disquiet over the last week because trans activists who were um demonstrating in Oxford against Kathleen Stock's speech to the Oxford Union, um, that was not actually organised by the socialist worker, but they still co-opted it and branded it as a socialist worker event. The reason that they do this is they even say it in their own literature that they want to co-opt um, these different movements, things like anti-racism, um, trans rights, uh, LGBTQIA++ rights um, and the like, because they will then have these people on their side and use them as a conduit to get power. They want to ferment revolutionary sentiment in those uh, populations that are told by socialists that they are um, oppressed. But even beyond that, even things like the doctors and nurses strikes, all of their placards had the socialist worker logo on them. Um, same with the protests for um, the Drag Queen Story Hour. If you go there, all of the protesters, all of their placards are made by and funded by the socialist worker. And uh, when I was doing a bit of research to find, like, I was trying to narrow it down, like, what exactly are their goals? Because 
they mm. are involved in such a broad range of things in society. The key thing that kept popping up in different speeches and in different articles and different sections of the website was we want to be seen as everything. Like we want to be seen everywhere. So it comes in stages, right? The first stage is normalize our presence. And then after that, once everybody accepts that socialism is great, because look at all these doctors and nurses striking, they've all got the socialist logo on them. That must be because socialism is great. Um, at that point comes the next stage, which is now we can basically galvanize all these people to do our bidding because they've all been acclimatized to us and they all all so it's all about normalizing socialism in the mainstream mm. um currently that seems like what th what they were doing for the past couple of years and that's why they're so involved in different things and this is not conspiracy theory this mm. is clearly stated on their website that that's yeah. what they want to do and that's what they're doing and that's why they're there with the unions because they're actually very close to the unions if not a part of the unions i found people that her um, very high up in sort of the NEU, the National Education Union, the TUC, Unison, who are also associated with um, the Socialist Worker Party and their subsidiaries. I mean, I'm sure some of you have heard of Stand Up to Racism or United Against Fascism or Care for Calais. These organisations are effectively one and the same because they are all associated with people who are part of the Central Committee of the Socialist Worker Party. And the Socialist Worker Party and its subsidiaries and um, associated organisations are awash with cash. Um, uh, some of the people from the Central Committee, they run um, the Halas Foundation Limited. No, you can't find out anywhere online what this foundation does. There is no public website. There's no fundraising um, traces on Google. There's nothing. All I can see is that their account has £1.4 million in it, and I don't understand where that money came from or where what the money's for or where it goes to. Mm. And so there is an opaque nature to this. But what we do know is that so a really large figure in the Socialist Worker uh, work Party is a Wayman Bennett. Um, and he runs a lot of the uh, groups that I have uh, mentioned, namely Stand Up to Racism and United Against Fascism. Um, and he's well known um, in the activist circles and he goes and speaks at lots of different events and he's friends with the unions. Um, and all these different anti-racism charities, Black Lives Liberation Movement in the UK, Black Lives Matter UK, etc. And he actually spoke up in 2019 in Trafalgar Square at a speech by the People's Assembly. And he called for the Prime Minister at the time, Theresa May, to shoot herself. So he's not a very nice person. <laughs> but one thing that's interesting is at the moment, um, and we've spoken about it in a previous episode, there is a movement against uh, Drag Queen Story Hour. And... Stand Up to Racism and the Socialist Worker, they organise um, counter-protests counter yeah. to the ones organised by Turning Point UK. And on one of the posters that I saw that was put out by Stand Up to Racism, um, you could see a list of associated organisations. And in that, you had the Socialist Worker, Clip Theatre, which is a theatre for children um, that promotes drag, um, you also had the National Education Union. And I, I, I think that that's very interesting to see those close um, links that they have because what the socialist, uh, the National Education Union can do with its power, I, I, can, I can show you kind of a way yeah, that this please. works. So the National Education Union is run by Leninist Marxists. And what they do with these groups, they all have the same aim, which is to ferment this 
Is that is that for secondary? Like national education, does that include universities or is it secondary so, yeah, schools? Yeah, so that's secondary schools? school teachers in secondary and primary schools. Okay. Um, we have the university and college union for Separate. higher education, okay. and they're the same. To be honest, they are linked with. They say on their website they're anti-fascist. They're linked with all of these different groups that I've named. But the National Education Union, they have a lot more power in a way because obviously we have a much higher percentage of kids who go through primary and secondary school than tertiary. And um, the way that this power kind of works is these people are all kind of know each other that run these groups and the unions and um, they all have a similar aim. You know, they want revolution for a workers' paradise. And so they work together to try and achieve this. And uh, yeah, I know workers' paradise. For me, that's <laughs> like just, it's, yeah, it's just it's so funny. Like, uh, sorry, I, ju I just had to sm like smile and giggle because all of these, I mean, it's just ridiculous, yeah. isn't it? That you don't, these people don't, this is what happens when you don't teach people history. But yeah. anyway, you continue. Well, we'll definitely get on to yeah. the dangers of what can happen with this. But so, as we said earlier, these groups openly say that they want to co-opt social justice movements um, in order to kind of capture those populations with their ideas of revolution. And so what they did is they created an anti-racism charter. And in this charter, um, they push this kind of constant institutional racism narrative. And they say that all teachers and all schools need to actively fight and be anti-racist, which means we need to accept Marxist ideas um, that relate to identity groups such as, you know, white privilege, uh, institutional racism, um, racial hierarchies, equity. It openly says in the charter, respect for difference is not enough and that schools must act and teachers must actively change power imbalances while decolonizing education. Hundreds of schools across the country through their members, teachers, head teachers, yeah. governing boards have had to adopt this charter, which then means that these ideas, you know, you can sell an idea to a public of we're against racism, but what does that really mean? That's not we're saying, as it says, respect for difference is not enough. You can't just say be nice and kind to everyone in accordance with the law. It's that you must actively devote your life and pledge to devote your life to rooting out these invisible, un, you know, unconscious things that we're putting out there in order to create this idea of oppression and power imbalances and paranoia well to them and the so whole... then that sorry and then yeah. that information gets disseminated down to the children through their lessons through their teachers and so that shows that how what a huge disproportionate influence these groups can have once they capture these institutions i mean to them the whole like to them even the the systems that are in place are racist by nature so yeah. it's not enough for them to get people to be nice to each other and not be racist, because let's be honest, I don't think that the mainstream of the British culture and system is a racist one. Mm. If anything, well, it might be a racist one, but perhaps not in the way that they, they think. But for them, that's not enough, because for them, just the fact that it's tied to a history, as they say, decolonizing education, decolonizing this, just the fact that they that we still have things from the past that are good things but the people that use them they don't like those people so therefore the nature of those things are bad things and we have to get rid of them all of the systems are wrong we have to get rid of all of the systems replace everything destroy everything in order to build this workers paradise as they say well that's exactly it and what we have to recognize is that their aim is not social cohesion between yeah. the races their aim is to use any discord between the races in order to get to their ultimate goal which is this revolution they have no 
they have no interest in being reasonable. They have no interest in people getting on. And the fact that they actually have so much power over national institutions, we know how important education is. Obviously, we wouldn't do it. Education sets up the way people think and behave for the rest of their lives, unless they are otherwise are able to kind of think outside the box when they through some kind of event that happens to them or opportunity they get when they get older. In general, what you learn at school is the way you're going to think, and that's why we do it. Uh, you know, and so it's so important to realise that there. While we all sit there and go, oh well, you know, I hear I hear so much. So why do people care? Why do people care? Well, if you don't care, there are people out there that do care, and that they're trying very hard right now to have an influence over over um, the next generation in order to completely up, upturn what the country is and what it could be. I think also to the questions of why do you care. Is, I mean, this affects everybody. We all live in the same society. And if you have one group of people that say private property shouldn't exist and you have another group of people that that's going, oh, well, you can think that, but, you know, why should I care? Guess who's going to win? <laughs> There's only one group of people that are adamant on getting what they want. Mm. And if we're all just sitting there letting them do what they want and just going, oh, well, why should I care? I mean, if you value things like private property and agency and being able to build and um, build a career and be make your own decisions instead of being told what to do by someone distant and um, by yeah by the state then you should care you should care if you want a better future for mm. yourself and your children mm. you should care you should care even if you don't want children and don't have children you should care for the future of society I mean, it, it, these things can get quite Orwellian. Um, there's a group in Wales called Race, Race Council Cymru. Obviously, that's Welsh for Wales. Cymru. Cymru. Oh, okay. Sorry, Welshy. <laughs> um, yeah, and they um, ha they came out of this other group um, beforehand. And I think a lot of people might think, you know, this is an elite-driven project or, you know, how do these people get power or what power do they have? You know, it's kind of like up there in the zeitgeist, like what, what what's going on and a good way to I think look at it is the example of the race council Cymru they took the momentum that was out there after uh, you know the summer of 2020 with the Black Lives Matter protests and they seized upon it and while different institutions and organizations felt like they had to come out and um, profess solidarity to the Black Lives Matter movement in order to not appear racist. They seized upon that in order to get these organisations to sign up to their agenda. And the Race Council Cymru, <laughs> the Race Council Good Cymru um, has a list on its website of people that have, have signed up to, um, to, to their pledges. And that includes Public Health Wales, the Welsh NHS, even the Welsh government. And what's interesting to me about that is obviously the Welsh government has decided to take up these Marxist left-wing ideas forevermore. They're now required to go on with this agenda. Well, what if a Conservative government got elected in, in Wales? What the, They're still bound by this idea, the Welsh civil service. And then you've got private companies that have had to make this pledge. And... Um, the Race Council Cymru has this separate um, organisation and website called um, Zero Racism Wales. And on it has this uh, pledge that individuals, organisations and public bodies can sign up to. Their partners include the Welsh Government, the National Welsh Museum, 
Unison and Wales TUC, so the unions. So that shows you how that's come along. And on its website, it says it's had 2,000 signed pledges. So I can search by individual's name. I can search by organisation name. I can search by location on here. So it's a bit Orwellian. And on here... So basically, if you want to find out if someone in your vicinity mm-hmm. is not signed up, all yeah. you need to do you can is... Cut. You're not anti-racist. Right. So if you are a group or... Um, an organisation, you have to put up on here a plan of how you're going to tackle anti-racism in your organisation, which is public for all to see, and sign up to your monitoring and responsibilities and how you will report what you've monitored in your organisation. So this is very spy on your neighbours. But if you're an individual, you can pop up there. And then this this is your pledge. I, will, I commit to promoting zero tolerance to racism in Wales, which means that I will take a stand against racism and promote an inclusive and equal society for all. I will not tolerate racial prejudice, discrimination, harassment, victimisation, abuse or violence against any individual. I will stand in solidarity, come together and say no to racism in all its forms. I will promote good race relations between people from diverse ethnic backgrounds. I will promote equal and fair opportunities for people from diverse ethnic backgrounds. That's a bit odd that you have to publicly do that. And that's on a website and I can search you by your name, by your organisation, by where you live. And what's interesting there is if you actually look at it, I will stand in solidarity, come together and say no to racism in all its forms. That sounds reasonable, but when you actually look at it, it means these things that they talk about, like uh, unconscious bias and uh, white privilege and all of these different things that you have to actively re-engineer everything so that it seems fair. In a, in a, do you know what I mean? You yeah. have to inv- get involved in it's, a I think way. it's... The, when, you, when you read this manifesto at first you don't see that much wrong with it because obviously we don't want to be violent towards people of different yeah. races and all of these things. But it's the definitions that they place on what what does it mean to be violent. Yeah. Sometimes they say violence is just you looking at someone in the wrong way or you saying something that has nothing to do with their race, but just because, you know. Well, now they say when you speak... Sometimes when people speak and they ask questions, it's you're literally killing people with your words. So it just shows you how they can you they can change the meaning of things in order to whack you over the head with them when it suits. And here they says, I will promote good race relations between people from diverse ethnic backgrounds. Why did they say from diverse ethnic backgrounds and not all ethnic backgrounds? Like why have they chosen to do that? I don't. I mean, this whole thing. I mean, of, well, yeah, we're reading yeah. between the lines here, but what we what we know is the way that these people think. They talk about those different um, theories rather than just let's be nice to everyone. It's no, we have to go into society and uproot it and change it in order to settle some scores that can never actually be settled because white people were born with sin, apparently. But that shows you... Hey, guys, newsflash, everybody is. (laughs) (laughs) Everybody has something in the past in their family tree or in their, you know, that you wouldn't want to be associated with. Yeah. But anyway, I think we digressed a bit. But what I tried to do with that example is show you how these groups infiltrate institutions and it can actually have a humongous change and kind of force you through the back door into these things. You know, if you work for one of these organisations that signed up, that's it. 
you have that, that's you now you're sort of like you don't it doesn't come through the front door and you have a chance to change it or realize what's going on it, it's infiltration and you don't you don't even know that these charters are there until hmm. you are penalized for doing something normal hmm. and completely fine but is seen by whoever the overlords of the day are as unacceptable and you but there's also the fact that there's a whole country a constituent country of the united kingdom that has what three million people in it which has a public register sanctioned by the government of who is a committed anti-racist and who's not you're conspicuous by your absence if you decide not to sign up to it you become a target i can search you by town i can search you by name yeah that is I mean, the one good thing about this is that it's overt and public. No one voted for this. I know no one voted for it, but you can find it if you want. Now, the problem is no one cares. That's the other thing. At least it's possible to find. And we know it's you can find it if you look for it. But it's yeah, it doesn't make it less concerning. Definitely. Uh, I, I don't know. I'm still I'm still kind of shocked by it. I mean, I found in all these different um, mentions of it in the Welsh um, Senedd, and it's just shocking. But um, anyway, I think it's uh, it's definitely a strategic move, though, to because if you think about it, if you go for Wales and Scotland, um, and you lay unrest there, and you kind of try to separate them from England, if you separate the um, Great Britain into smaller sections it's easier to tackle and you've already started to dismantle the system that's in place because if Wales because there's been talks for, for for a few years in Wales that people want um, an independence referendum Scotland's already had one and they want to get another one so this is always you know it's coming from somewhere yeah. and it's being paid for by someone and it's quite interesting to see that some of these ideas are linked directly to people in the socialist movement in the UK. Yeah, well I think that they get a lot more access to the devolved governments, don't they? And that, that's why you see a lot of these new movements coming through the back door with councils as well, you know, these 15-minute cities and all sorts is that, you know, there's not so much scrutiny there and they can bring those thing in, things in through the back door. So Nick, so you've done a bit of research into the individual actors in this movement can you specify a bit more what you found who are the people pulling the strings who are these people organizing these organizations yeah so as we spoke about earlier there are multiple groups that are associated um, under the kind of socialist umbrella um, namely you know with the outward focusing organization being socialist worker party um, and we've got sort of Stand Up to Racism and United Against Fasc- Fascism. They seem to be the other umbrella groups that are ran by this Wayman Bennett, the one who called for the Prime Minister to shoot herself. Um, he tends to be a go-to um, interviewee for the news. So when there's, an, when there's an issue, when it comes to things like racism or trans rights or the strikes, um, he is someone that the mainstream media turned to a lot to come on the news shows and talk about it. So he seems to, for some reason, have been designated as the spokesperson of the left. So he, you'll see him on GB News, you'll see him on ITV News, sometimes you'll see him on BBC. Um, and he has been around in the movement for a very long time and he works alongside Charlie Kimber, who's the editor of The Socialist Worker, the newspaper. Um, and he also is a... Um, executive of the Halas Foundation, as as I mentioned earlier, which has 1.4 mil in the bank. Um, 
and he is also a board member of their publisher. Um, and there are other members of this um, organisation. I found probably about 15 different names. Um, they're not public, but you can see through the literature when they've interviewed one of them at a time, you can kind of get a picture of who's involved. And what's one thing that's interesting is another way that they kind of um, penetrate the institutions is that these people, a lot of them are lecturers. They're high mm. up academics. So we've got an emeritus professor at um, King's College London. We've got um, a fellow at the London School of Economics. Um, we've got a uh, University of Leicester lecturer. We've got ki another King's College London lecturer. Uh, we've got someone who managed Jeremy Corbyn's campaign team. We've got some very influential people. I mean, here. Jeremy Corbyn himself gives lectures and talks at Socialist Worker Party events. Their Marxism festival has Jeremy Corbyn speaking. So he's very involved with them anyway. Yeah. And then, as we said earlier, we've got union reps spread out across unions like tentacles of an octopus. <laughs> <laughs> but um, love the imagery. Yeah, you know, there's everyone's got this idea of there's a they somewhere, you know, controlling what they say. Who are and, they? Yeah, who, who are, are they? they? And, you know, we have our theories. But also this shows you how, yes, you know, you're right. There's not anyone on the TV or uh, in the streets saying that you can't say and do these things. But there are active people working behind the scenes who are... Um, affecting the policies of our biggest organisations, our biggest companies, to regulate how what we do, what we think, and what what, what we can say, and it's scary, and it, it needs something doing about. It. And so we're going to keep on investigating it, um, and we're definitely going to get into the people that are against fascism because we're seeing it more and more. The Antifa, I mean, obviously, with everybody is against fascism, you know what well, I mean. Yeah, exactly. But the Antifa movement, <laughs> I mean, yeah, um, is very specific yeah. and. It's so weird because all of these groups, they merge into, like, you've got the Antifa movement at, and the anti-racist movement at the drag queen story. What's that got to do with race? Immigration. Um, th they had, like, signs saying, um, you hate immigrants or something like that. It's like, what's that got to do with trans transgenderism? What's that got to do with drag queen story hour? What's that got to do with doctor's pay? What has like that's yeah, nothing it, to do with it, it but it's all completely the one kind of homogenous movement of disrupt, destroy, dismantle, and yeah. that's and what they that's what well give it to them they're pretty good at doing it. Well, I that's mean. it. I mean, I I was at um, a counter rally to the Let Women Speak movement at Hyde Park the other day, and. There was a group there who were all masked up. They were clearly Antifa. Um, they had different flags that were saying um, that they were against fascism. And there was some very violent signage that they had with them. They had a banner which said, arm trans kids. And it had, you know, those little um, cars that you had when you were a kid. They were like red when the roof and the pillars were yellow. Okay. Yeah, yeah. they had one of them and it had like a machine gun in it as oh, yeah. imagery on the signs. And, and it said... Um, there was another guy who had a sign that said, let's trans your gender today. Just some things that made me think, like, you know that these are extreme positions to take. Why are you taking them? And, and I couldn't really answer the question for myself. You know, they would stand there in front of groups of women and there's videos of it on Twitter when they're literally saying, like, chanting, like, we love girl dick and things like that. And you just think, like, why are you... I had women come up to me and tell me that... These and I don't. I, I'm not saying that there's an association here with the socialist worker. I'm just talking about general, these yeah. in general. These people tend to but, be part of Antifa. But there was a woman that told me um, last week in Birmingham there was 
um, a Let Women Speak event and the police didn't turn up uh, in inadequate numbers to protect the women. And some of them were um, attacked by um, trans radical activists. And one of the women told me that a man had pressed up his erection onto her in a threatening manner and sort of like breathed down her neck. And Which is sexual assault. Yes. And it just... There's something going on here. Like, it's just, there's there's all these different groups and they tend to turn up together. Mm-hmm. So that tells me that there is there are links between them. But there's, there's, there's a whole spectrum of people on there. So there are sort of like the people that were protesting at Oxford the other day, Kathleen Stock, in general, they were part of the student union, part of that movement. Normal people, for their most part, they weren't masked up. Then you get some events where there are normal people there and then the masked up. And then this one that happened the other day at Hyde Park with um, Let Women Speak was just the people that were masked up. They didn't want to be seen. They didn't want to be heard. They would even hide their banners. Why hide your banner? Why, why are you why out? Why have a banner if you want to hide it? Like well, The whole point like, of a banner is to show something publicly in a big gestural why, way. Why are you out? And the only thing I could find is that potentially they're linked to this um, LAFA, so the London Anti-Fascist Action, or um, I can't remember what the last uh, letter stands for. And they literally say, you know, they're here to smash anyone who stands in their way because they believe that they're fascists and they say that they're an anonymous collective. So we'll never be able to uncover who they are. They said if you want to get in contact with them, you have to send them an email from a new email address you create that doesn't have anything to do with your identity on it. They're very hell-bent on being unidentifiable. And I pulled someone out of the... I couldn't talk to anyone on that side of things at the Posey, at the um, Let Women Speak event. But there was a boy there who was arguing with an older woman um, and he was on the trans side and he did. He had a mask on, but he didn't. The rest of them had umbrellas covering their faces, whereas he didn't. And so I heard him arguing with this woman and then once that, that, that had stopped, I went over to him and I said, you know, I haven't been able to speak to anyone on your side. They're all covering their faces. They're wearing these umbrellas. They won't speak to me. Can you, would you be happy to speak to me about what's going on here? And he was like, no, I can't. And I said, why is everyone, why, why do you come out to a protest and with banners, if you don't want anyone to see your face, you don't want anyone to see your banners, you don't want to have your voice heard. Why are you here? And he was like, oh, you know, since um, the new police and crime sentencing bill, no one wants to be seen. You know, these people, they protest a lot. They don't want to be arrested. I said, I understand what you're saying, but then they're happy to take off their masks and be seen when it's just them and the police. But when someone from the other side comes over with a camera, that's when they want to hide their face. So how can you say that it's about hiding from the police when they're happy to take their masks off when it's just the police around them? Yeah, that's a that's a good point. I think... A lot of these, uh, I mean, at least from my experience, when what I've witnessed is a lot of these people who come to the protest masked up are very young children. They're like 15, 16 year olds. Mm. Um, and often their parents have no idea where their child is. So I've spoken to someone at the Drag Queen Story protest and he said, I don't remember who it, like if it was a woman or a boy or a girl, it doesn't really matter. But the person said, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to speak on camera because... I'm, I don't want to be identified, not by the police, by, 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 by their family. Their families don't know that these kids mm. are out on the streets, you know, smashing things up and um, threatening women because they keep that a secret. And in a way, uh, 
when you describe their organization, it sounds like a, I mean, it sounds like a terrorist group. I know. You want to be secret. You don't want to be have a, a a contact associated with you and your protester identity. I mean, if you really believe in something, wouldn't you want to put your identity on it? Wouldn't you, doesn't that give it value and and kind of weight when you when yeah. you see that like a respectable human is behind this? It gives it value. It gives it that that's the whole point of protesting. You have normal people going mm. and saying this is not right. But when you have protests like these where you've got anonymous and uh, entities um and teenagers that are not willing mm. to show their face. I mean, it's very it's very strange environment this whole like protesting culture and it's getting so mainstream i mean i just looked at mm. their website and they they've put homelessness workers pr started protesting i'm like what are you pro like isn't homelessness work mostly charity based isn't it mostly done by volunteers and like donations and stuff so I'd, i mean yeah it, it, i think the reason we're talking about it is because we just there's so many questions about what's going on and there's so the media in in general tends to not look beyond the immediate the, the immediate yeah. you know if someone brands themselves stand up to racism or socialist worker or hope not hate or united against fascism then they're just like oh this is this campaign group and blah blah, blah. they don't always think that there's something behind it and there does tend to, there does seem to be links between these groups because they turn up to the same events together yeah, and I, I can't allege who's in control. I can't allege what exactly they're doing, but there is a scary fringe who don't want to be seen, and who are very threatening. And and their presence is quite widespread. I mean, and I think they're, they're well very connected. Or, well organized. They are. When I spoke to when I spoke to some of the people at the drag drag queen protest, um, they told me that there was a sign up table these were not the masked ones they were just the you know you know the people who would come they told me that they've come from different places and there was transport organized they all of the banners and all of the kind of branding it was done by someone from the organization so it's a very you know it's not like a natural uprising of people it's a very organized and intentional movement and that's why we have so many questions about it because it's it's become so big so quick well probably not quickly it probably took mm. them a while but it, they've become very public um quite recently and it's kind of we want to find out why what are their intentions where are they getting their money from is a big question and what's their aim what, what are they trying to achieve because they're just talking yeah. about dismantling and destroying but what comes after that you know exactly that and and they they're, they're clearly there's i mean this Socialist Worker Party, there's so many spin-off groups that yeah. that seems to me like it's a tactic to Definitely. maybe make the work... Number one, make it difficult to trace who's in control and who's doing what. But number two, also, if you saturate with so many groups, it looks like the numbers are greater than they are. And it seems to me that they have, you know, lots of links through the unions to the institutions where they're getting... Um, I mean, might have brainwashing, really, in a way, through schools, through workplaces. And then there seems to be this radical wing um, of violent activists who are, I don't know whether they're associated, but they turn up to the same events and they seem to believe the same things. And so this warrants much greater scrutiny. Yeah, 
I think I agree. So we will be back with this topic at some point and hopefully when we find some more information just to revisit our new findings. See you next time. Bye. Bye.